something always keeps you scurrying with problems and with worrying. There's additives in the fiddles and there's poisons in the air. There's kids with problem parents and you can't imagine where you'll get the money to pay the bills. You're getting old, getting fat behind the Joneses, lost your job and atop that you got no matches for the gas. Your head is always aching and the earth is always quaking and the kids are running wild. Cuts, cuts, more cuts, cholesterol, a national front, traffic jams, a neutron bomb, Afghanistan is raining on your holidays and still you try to smile. Deficits and overflows, the hurdles and the undertows, have we got enough without the nuclear sideshow? Every time you turn around, you're shelling out another pound The mortgage, the petrol, the insurance and the rent A flutter on the pools could be a ruinous event VAT, P-A-Y-E, E-E-C, alimony by 83 There'll be an Anish and the Portuguese will send us foreign aid You pay to read the news about inflation and the nation doesn't buy the kids their shoes Curly grips and kitty cat, a drop of booze and little things like clothes, food, heat, light, rates and your Mediterranean cruise. Plenty of ways to lose your pets from dire need to extravagance. Have we got enough without the nuclear expenses? Everything without a doubt is wearing thin and wearing out. Gas and oil are giving out. The pup runs out of beer. Your teeth are full of fillings and the peace talks disappear along with the strike negotiations. Relations with your relations, cities crumbling. There's holes in all the sheets. Your marriage needs repairing. Lots of truncheons wearing out with hidden folks between the ears. Broken down machines combined to wear you down more than the passing of your years. Whatever it is that's getting you down by breaking up and breaking down. Have we got enough without a nuclear meltdown? The finest plants of men and mice often don't turn out so nice. The litamide, the microwave, the bridge across the tape. Getting married can be great until the second day. DC-10s again and again, DDT, Roman Point, Concord, join the army, don't forget your Dolcon shield. There's junctions like spaghetti and we elect the Iron Lady and the B-Man in the suit, Agent Orange. Mini Metro Maxi Hindenburg, they even built a hospital with an enema room without a loo. Let's announce our abdication. Haven't we had enough without a nuclear miss? I miss who? Calculation. You can die of suffocation or go up in a conflagration. If you find the transportation, you can die among the wheels. There's drowning, falling down the stairs and choking on your meals. Cigarettes and drugs, or guns and clubs and knives. In the hands of thugs and mugs of husbands and their wives. There's suicide and cancer or this falling off a cliff or just an overdose of flu. Dying of shock on budget day, drinking all your cares away. Cholera, diphtheria, hysteria, or snake bite in the jungles of Peru. Plenty of ways of getting faster to the day you breathe your last. Or have we got enough without a nuclear disaster? All the things you like to do, the very things you hate to lose. Sons and lovers, wife and kids, the smell of treacle tart. West Ham winning at home or dabbling in the arts. Bacon and egg and bacon and egg and bacon and egg and books. Flowers, clouds, gardening and fishing, sleeping in and wishing you was winning the bonds or simply gazing into space. Once upon a time, a loaf of bread, a double bed, a glass of wine, my love and you. I've even heard it said that women 
women get their kicks from watching little harpic soldiers marching down the loom. Doodle-oodle-oo. All the good things that are tried to, don't forget that it's a fact that all of it could be lost because of a nuclear reactor. There's answers everywhere you look, they could be in the holy book. There's power in the wind and water, power from the sun. There's energy from outer space, from now to kingdom come. Insulation, conservation, control the population, make McDonald's with a soybean. And all things geothermal, they're infernal, cause no profits can be made. Of course we could share out the wealth, but some would say it ruined their health. They'd have to go by train or by cycling. And recycling all the plastic and the glass, the news of the world, the metals and the nasty biodegradable things that live down in the drains. There's reforming of our institutions, maybe a little revolution. Just remember that the nuclear way may any day turn out to be a very final solution. And that was Peggy Seeger with the song Enough Is Enough from the album From Where I Stand, Topical Songs from America and England. Greetings and welcome to Polyrical, a podcast of political music, a soundtrack for the resistance, a topical solution for the political revolution. I want to hear from you, so if you like what you hear, or even if you don't, you can send me a message at polyrical at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at polyrical, and you can check out the website polyrical.com where you'll find all the back episodes, and you'll also find some links there to make a donation. You can make a one-time donation or a recurring donation to keep this podcast free and independent. You can also watch me record live on Twitch. That's at twitch.tv slash unrelated things. There's a magazine called Adbusters. Adbusters, way back in the 90s, put out a CD. It's called Gas CD. This is Sarah Harmer from that CD with First Lady.
to our topic of the episode. The topic of the episode for this episode is globalization and the reality of how globalization works in our modern society with our capitalist economic structures that drive things that support imperialism, support colonization. Global trade is not a bad thing. Global trade, in fact, is a very good thing it will help it can help balance economies around the world the problem with free trade is that it's not free it's not fair it's structured in certain ways that the people with the money dominate the transaction um, and it's not a fair and equitable transaction in which both parties benefit. It's an extractive transaction in which the big financial global institutions like the IMF and like the World Bank demand concessions for loans, demand that uh, economies um, privatize, demand austerity, demand that governments end programs that benefit the people because they don't generate the cash to pay back the loans. These major global institutions also are just tools of the powerful, the capitalists, the dominant governments around the world. It's the one of the major tools that the U.S. uses 
it, when it sanctions a country, like it's doing in Venezuela, it applies sanctions to that country. It also blocks those countries from borrowing money to support their citizens, to be able to uh, afford imports um, in order to destroy those economies in the hopes that when the economic conditions in those countries that we dislike the governments of are so bad that the people will rise up against those governments. Well, it doesn't often work that way. And in the meantime, those tactics are enormously destructive to those individuals' lives who we hope. I mean, that's part of the plan. It's part of the design. Make life so bad and so miserable and so oppressive for people that they will do anything, including overthrow their own government, to alleviate themselves from those conditions. That's what globalization is today. It's unfortunately not where it should be, needs to be, or, or could be if we had a policy driven by people and by people's needs and not by profits. Here is Rage Against the Machine off the album Evil Empire. This is Wind Below.
that helped you when you needed a little kiss, big coin, little heart that has no exchange rate, big coin that could join the IMF, little heart is only greedy cause it's poor, little heart, big coin. It's a tiny little heart The challenge is a coin But the coin has no knob or no sound Big coins as it will never ever leave you Big coin, big mouth Little heart It ain't gold, it ain't silver Little heart Wasted on me, little heart. So much bigger than the coin, little heart. Big guarantee, little heart. Big guarantee, little heart. Little heart. through the whole song as Bitcoin, which might also not be inappropriate, but that was Big Coin by The Beautiful South off the album Quench. I've had that song and that album in my music mix for a very long time, and I've listened to that song many, many times. In fact, this recent listening, recent uh, listen to Pull This All Together was the first time I really kind of heard Bitcoin in there. Um, but I also never before put together the lyric with the topic of this episode with globalization, with uh, a big coin being kind of a reference to global money and global capitalism and the globalization that it controls. There's a book called Confessions of an Economic Hitman. It's a partial autobiographical book written by John Perkins. It was published in 2004. There's been an update to it since. Uh, it provides Perkins' account of his career with engineering consulting firm Chaz T. Maine in Boston. According to Perkins, his job at Maine was to convince leaders of underdeveloped countries to accept substantial development loans for large construction and engineering projects that would primarily help the richest families and local elites rather than the poor, while making sure that these projects were contracted to U.S. companies. The book heavily criticizes U.S. foreign policy and the widely accepted idea that, quote, 
all economic growth benefits humankind and that the greater the growth, the more widespread the benefits, suggesting that in many cases only a small portion of the population benefits at the expense of the rest, with the example including increasing income inequality where large U.S. companies exploit cheap labor and oil companies destroy the local environment. Perkins describes what he calls a system of corporatocracy and greed as a driving force behind establishing the United States as a global empire, in which he took a role as a, quote, economic hitman to expand its influence. According to his book, Perkins' function was to convince the political and financial leadership of underdeveloped countries to accept enormous development loans from institutions like the World Bank and USAID. Saddled with debts they could not hope to pay, those countries were forced to acquiesce to political pressure from the United States on a variety of issues. Perkins argues in his book that developing nations were effectively neutralized politically, had their wealth gaps driven wider and economics and economies crippled in the long run. In this capacity, Perkins recounts his meetings with some prominent individuals, including Graham Greene and Omar Torrijos. Perkins describes the role of an economic hitman as follows, quote, Economic hitmen are highly paid professionals who cheat countries around the globe out of trillions of dollars. They funnel money from the World Bank, the U.S. Agency for International Development, and other foreign, quote, aid organizations into the coffers of huge corporations in the pockets of a few wealthy families who control the planet's natural resources. Their tools included fraudulent financial reports, rigged elections, payoffs, extortion, sex, and murder. They play a game as old as empire, but one that has taken on new and terrifying dimensions during this time of globalization. And as Bruce Coburn put it, in his song, Call It Democracy, a song I almost put in here, but I have played that song on a previous episode. Uh, so I picked some different songs for this episode. But in Call It Democracy, Bruce has a couple of lines. IMF, which IMF stands for International Monetary Fund. It's one of these major global corporate um, financial institutions that loan money to governments. But the lyric goes, IMF, dirty MF, and that MF stands for something completely different, takes away everything it can get, always makes certain that there's one thing left, keep them on the hook with insupportable debt, and they call it democracy. Here is dead prez with the single globalization scene of the crime. The new name in the 21st century of imperialism is really globalization. And when you think about that, when you read about that, when you study about that, globalization really means the globalization of capital. You don't hear people talking about the globalization of labor. But you know, working people all around the world have more in common with each other than they have with their own so-called leaders or the rulers, the ruling class, that is, of those societies. So people should uh, 
And the system is broken It's out of order We got the water And out of time Out of my mind Out of prime time With the propaganda Make you wanna snap Make you pop the hammer Call it what it is Use proper grammar Land grab call that gentrification Microchip identification That's just fear and intimidation Nine o'clock news interpretation Birth of a nation That's got nothing to lose But our chains Got nothing to use But our brains Stop following rules And let's change the game Resist Black water Four trucks, eight pack, Starbucks, IMF, Chevron. Who cares if you get stepped on, get stepped on. In the name of progress, they business has no conscience. All they want is profits. It's obvious in Africa. It's obvious in Mexico. It's obvious in Cuba. It's obvious in Palestine. American invasion, foreign occupation. Covert operation, oppressive domination, resist. These are the times, baby. These are the times, scene of a crime. These are the times, baby. To free your mind, to free your mind.
is a handmade. foundation off the album community music that was color line here are a few words from noam chomsky from the album capital rules this is the globalization of production uh, a third another factor kind of all related to this is the globalization of production that's become a lot easier in the last 20 or 30 years for technical reasons and others including this flow of international flow of capital means it's a lot easier to uh, have product to, to, for production to be moved to places where you get the most repressed cheapest uh, 
most you know, beaten up people to work for you. And that's a terrific weapon against the domestic workforce. In fact, you don't even have to move the jobs. The talk about job flow is very misleading. The job flow doesn't have to change at all. It's enough to be able to threaten to move jobs, to cut back wages and benefits and so on in a globalized economy, and that happens. In the case of Caterpillar, it was very explicit. Caterpillar explained its business stra its strategy in the strike to the business press. Uh, they said they were using, a couple of years ago, they, were, they had these enormous profits, and they were using the profits uh, for, to build excess capacity abroad, in places like Brazil and Asia and so on. So in case workers go on strike here, uh, uh, Caterpillar can fulfill its orders from foreign markets, and then you break the strike. Uh, other corporations are doing exactly the same. That's one of the benefits of having extraordinary profits, dazzling, spectacular profits, as the business press puts it. Uh, in Boston, where I live, the biggest manufacturer around there is Gillette, and they've been using uh, their profits to build excess capacity, even in places like Germany, where uh, labor costs are way higher than the United States. Wages are far higher, benefits are far higher, but it's beneficial for them, even though it cuts profits for long-term power interests, including the power, including the primary interest of class struggle. These guys are all, you know, real Maoists, just reversed in the values, and they know they're fighting a bitter class struggle, and it makes good sense to cut down on profits to build a weapon, uh, like an ability to uh, fill orders in European markets from a Berlin factory if Boston workers go on strike, even though it costs you more. For class war, that makes good sense, and profits make it quite possible. Meanwhile, labor moves to, you know, production can move to cheaper areas and so on. And that will bring us to our artist of the episode. The artist of the episode for this episode is Amanda Palmer. Here's what the beginning of Amanda Palmer's uh, Wikipedia page says. Amanda McKinnon Gaiman Palmer, sometimes known as Amanda fucking Palmer, is an American singer, songwriter, musician, author, and performance artist who was the lead vocalist, pianist, and lyricist of the duo The Dresden Dolls. She performs as a solo artist and was also one half of the duo Evelyn Evelyn and the lead singer and songwriter of Amanda Palmer in the Grand Theft Orchestra. And here's an excerpt from an interview uh, with Amanda Palmer that was published on ClashMusic.com. And this excerpt from the interview uh, jumps in where Amanda starts to discuss her latest album, There Will Be No Intermission. As such, Palmer went into the studio and laid down her soul. There Will Be No Intermission is an astonishing record, 20 tracks long, half of which are interval pieces. The album journeys from epic dread of The Ride through to the beautifully sad Death Thing, with songs in between covering everything from Judy Bloom to her young son, Ash. Understandably, she wanted a team she could trust around her for such a personal project. Longtime collaborators John Congleton and Jarek Bischoff fit the bill. Quote, there was no fucking way I was going to go into the studio with a stranger on this record, she tells me. John and I have become quite close friends over the last collaborations that we've done, and I really trusted him. Jarek and I are really close friends. I didn't really think about much until I got out of the studio, 
But once I was finished with that three weeks of dream fever that was making this record, I realized how profound it was that it was a couple of men that I chose to doula and a midwife this record into the world. And I actually feel like that's very important and significant that I have these male allies creating this statement with me. Does Palmer believe men have a role to play as feminist allies? Quote, oh God, yes. But it's important to remember that this isn't some kind of battle about gender. If there are two sides to this battle, it's about truth and compassion versus bullshit. It's not a gendered battle. And men have been, what do I want to say? Not really victimized, but men have suffered the consequences of patriarchy right along with women. And I might get myself into deep shit for saying that. But when women suffer, men suffer. And when men suffer, women suffer. And if you're following the plot here, when anyone suffers, you don't have general peace and harmony. I think the important thing that everybody has to remember is that Me Too is not strictly about women, she continues. It's about an entire culture pulling itself out of the dark and evolving into a status where we are not afraid of the fucking truth. And I think it's everyone's job to fix it. Women have been absolutely pulling their weight in a really admirable way lately. Above all else, Palmer wants to see action. She's sick of the Weinsteins, the Trumps, the fiddlers stalling on climate change talks while Rome burns. I mentioned 16-year-old Greta Thunberg's speech at Davos and her rejection of the soft, easy platitude of hope. Palmer agrees, quote, I don't really believe in blind optimism. I believe in a global humanist compassion and hard work and perseverance to hold each other through this experience called life. I don't think optimism or pessimism have much to do with it. There's only action. And you can pontificate all you want, and you can have all the opinions you want, but it doesn't really matter what your fucking opinion is. It matters what you do. We return to the voice, its operations, its vitality, its limitations. You still believe things can change, though, right? Quote, Oh, yeah. I am Amanda fucking Palmer. And I am made of hope. Here is Amanda fucking Palmer with the single Drowning in the Sound. Yelling that they're coming, but I don't see a single soul. 
They're all so busy yelling, not one of them is hearing. They're hissing from the bottom of the boat. I got some feelings up my sleeve. I got a compass in my eye. I got a needle in my heart. It's gonna tell us where we are. So Drowning in the sound We worship the sun But the moon's in the way So get your mama man's out She's always looking for trouble She's gonna get what's been coming to her She's switching the tide And we can't have that shit around The television, they're blaring out a warning That our natural state is drowning That our natural state is burning And you're trying to help And you're kicking for change And you're calling it out And you're adding a name And you're marching for peace But you're lynching the bitch That got up in your face So is they gonna take you seriously? Mm. So Drowning in the sun And your body is a temple The temple is a prison And the prison's overcrowded And the inmates know it's flooding And the body politic is getting sicker by the minute And the media's not fake It's just very inconvenient Do you ever feel that this should be officially the end? And that you should be the one to do the ending, but you can't? Do you ever feel that everyone is slowly letting go? Do you ever feel that they're incredibly alone? And they're saying not to panic, and it's like a broken record, not like anybody knows what that is. And they're saying that the match is the hottest one on record, and they're saying that that's just the way it is. Now I can taste it coming, I can taste it with my tongue And my children are so heavy, but I pick them up and run And I know I'll have to swim soon when the water gets too high I'll keep holding them above me, I'll keep holding them and crying
drowning in the sound Starving your heart You used to have sisters You don't anymore You worship the sun But you keep feeding the dark One, two Oh, uh-huh. 
was from There Will Be No Intermission, Amanda Palmer's latest album that was bigger on the inside. Here's another interview excerpt from Amanda Palmer. This one was published on songfacts.com and Shauna Hansen Ortega was the interviewer. I've heard the controversy regarding Oasis. Can you tell me about that one and what has happened since the UK banned it from radio? Quote, that's a really good story. I wrote that song very jokingly, kind of to myself, and didn't ever take it very seriously, and didn't ever push to get it on any of the records. I wrote it pretty early on in the world of the Dresden Dolls, but I didn't push to get it on the second Dresden Dolls record. The idea came to me in a very pure and simple way. Sometimes I get ideas for lyrics and melodies first, but in the case of this song, it was more of a concept of a really happy, poppy, jaunty song about to not know in a very specific teenage way when the shit is really hitting the fan. But you're bouncing along going, oh no, it's fine. Everything's great. I wanted the song to be a happy little three chord jam where I could make the lyrics as disturbingly sticky sweet as possible. That song was written in one sitting and probably in 20 minutes. I definitely didn't give it the kind of care and feeding that I would give to one of my great long deep felt personal ballads or something. I wrote it because I was like, oh, isn't this a great silly idea? Which is really the way I wrote Coin Operated Boy, which was I've got this funny little concept and this funny little hook and I'm just going to sit here and bang it out and not expect that anything's ever going to come of it. And the interviewer says, I love your comments on your blog about how you hit, if you had played it at a slower tempo, a little more moody music kind of thing, they may not have taken offense to it the way they did. Quote, oh yeah, absolutely. It was about the delivery. I mean, that's even what they said. The complaint was that they thought I was making light of rape and abortion. They weren't upset that I was singing about it. They were upset that I was making light of it. Very strange, though, to be coming from the UK, which is a land of parody and sarcastic humor. I think the painful thing about it and the reason that it probably rubs people the wrong way is that the truth hurts. And there's something about that song that is really painfully true. Anybody who has ever talked to a 15-year-old who is having problems with sex and drugs but is fully out to lunch can attest to that. In the interviewer, you also said that you had been date-raped, so if you're in that situation, it's like it almost makes it more okay for you to write about it. Quote, I actually don't agree with that, even though emotionally that makes sense. I found myself thinking, who can criticize me? I've been through these things. I'm allowed to joke about it. It's like, well, no, really anyone is allowed to joke about anything. It's not like you get more cred because you've been through some specific trauma and you, have, you then have the golden password to reflect on it and process information having to do with that. If that were the case, Steven Spielberg wouldn't have been able to make the color purple. He'd have been laughed out of town. But it's a big fucking movie, right? I mean, art is art. Everything's fair game. The whole point of being an imaginative, creative artist is that you're allowed to think and create outside 
of your own specific realm of experience. And if every artist was limited to the palette of their own experiences, art would be incredibly boring. And here is the track Oasis from the album Who Killed Amanda Palmer. When I got to the party, they gave me a 40 And I must have been thirsty, cause I drank it so quickly When I got to the bedroom, there was somebody waiting And it isn't my fault that the barbarian raped me When I went to get tested, I brought along my best friend Melissa Mahoney, who had once been molested And she knew how to get there, she knew all the nurses They were all really friendly, but the test came up positive Oh 
Mr. Weinstein, We'll See You Now by Amanda Palmer. 
and Jasmine Power. Really powerful song with a powerful message. And an equally powerful video that goes along with it. I definitely recommend you check that out. Here from the early years is Phil Oaks with How Long. How long, how long can we go on? How long, how long can we go on? This troubled land may never last. The times of war are in the How far have we gone? How far, how far have we gone? So many battles without a gain. So many young men are lost in vain. Why the fear of the coming of the morning? Why the trembling at the call? Can't we hear the final warning? Can't we see the writing on the wall? So many years before the dawn. So many years before the dawn. So many children have never grown So many cannonballs have flown So many rains had to fall So many rains have had to fall so many storms before the flood So many rainbows are red with blood Why the fear of the coming of the morning Why the trembling at the call Can't we hear the final warning Can't we see the writing on the wall how long, how long can we go on? How long, how long can we go on? This troubled land may never last. The times of war are in the past. And that'll just about wrap up this episode of Polyrical. Remember, you can send me an email at polyrical at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Polyrical. And you can go to the website polyrical.com where you can find all the back episodes. And you can make a one-time or recurring donation to keep this podcast going. 
In addition to that, you can watch me and hear me record this live on Twitch. That's at twitch.tv slash unrelated things. Here's a track I almost included in the globalization set, but uh, bumped it here till the end instead. This is Thievery Corporation from the album Radio Retaliation. This is Vampires featuring Femi Kuti. Thanks for listening. They'll gain the wall, but lose their soul. They'll gain the wall, but lose their souls.
Ready to fight 